Welcome in to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. I'm Sam Gormley. He's Mick Nelson. And Mick, we made the comment last week that we'd been very happy about having all of these Victory Wednesdays. We got to have happy, happy podcasts and everything. Uh, and then I, I was going back and listening and it was funny, like we were talking it all up. And then I said, you know, by us talking this all up, we're going to have to put a foot in our mouth. And I don't remember what you said is if I could put my foot in my mouth, I would. And well, I guess we're both going to have to do that because it's no longer a happy podcast today. No, it's not. It's a very sad podcast after, uh, a very, uh, unfortunate loss against Houston. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, got brought brought back down to earth a little bit after that game, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's something that we're obviously going to talk a lot about here on today's show. Um, we are going to recap that game with the good, the bad, and the ugly from that one, and then tomorrow is quite possibly, you know, the biggest game of the season for the Cincinnati Bengals as they take on the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football. We're going to let you know everything about that. Uh, I've got some good stats for that game. You know, some that might make you feel better about it. Some that might make you feel a little bit worse. I'm kind of coming, Mick, with like a left-hand hook and a right-hand hook. I guess a left-hand hook that's going to bring you down, and I guess the right-hand hook that's going to bring you back up. So I have that later on in the show for you. But first, let's go into some of the news of the week uh, for the Bengals. Uh, I think what we want to start with is, as I wrote here on my sheet, we're going to talk more about specific injuries later on in the injury report when we talk about it. But there's one guy that somehow is not on the injury report. And I just have here listed, Trey Hendrickson is a maniac. The man hyperextended his knee on Sunday. You know, they come out, I think Adam Schefter's tweet said, he'll be out a couple of weeks. And the man says, screw you, I'm not even questionable three (laughs) days later. He is a maniac. Yeah, man, that man just lives and breathes you know, you know, terrorizing opposing quarterbacks. Um, you know, let's not forget that he broke his what he broke his hand or his wrist last year wrist. and was just and missed one game. Club. Yeah, missed one game, played with a club for like three or four games and you know, didn't really miss a beat. Now, hyperextend hyperextension of the knee sounds a little more uh I don't know, limiting than than the wrist injury. I don't know what you're thinking about that, but yeah, I mean, I here's the thing with Trey Hendrickson. I would never put anything past him because, like I said, the man is a maniac. Like, he, it is unreal with as to how, I mean, he's had back injuries. He's had this injury. He's had that. Hasn't he had something with his neck, like a stinger or a yep. shoulder? And those are just the things that he's mentioned. Like, who knows what else the man is going through? And if anything else, I think what this message says is that, and we'll talk more obviously about the Ravens game specifically later on in the show, but what this tells me is that he knows this game is really important and that should be a message to the team itself and you want that from your leaders. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's like you said, this is uh, a must-win game. I know you don't like wearing the must-win armband or whatever every game, but I don't mind doing it, uh, especially when, you know, your your season is largely determined by this. I saw something along the lines of, you know, if they win this game, they have a 70% chance of making the playoffs. And if they lose it, they've got, you know, 30, 35% chance of making the playoffs. So, I mean, this game's crucial. You can't go 0-2 and, 
three in the division. I mean, they did it last year, but you don't want to do that again. You know, you know, five and five sounds a lot different than six and four. So uh, Trey yeah. knows it, and I think the whole team knows it. I'm hoping they're, you know, they're going to come ready to play, ready to play tomorrow. We are going to talk more about the game specifically a little bit later on. Uh, but we thank everyone for tuning in to today's episode of Jungle Juice as we are streaming today on the Jungle Juice podcast Facebook page on the YouTube channel. Also give a shout out to our guy over at WDN Today, Josh Isles. Uh, we're streaming on his Facebook page. Make sure you follow, subscribe to all of that. And then we're also on all of your, your favorite podcasting platforms on iHeart, on uh you know, just, you know, Spotify, Apple, we, we've got it all. And Mick, I think today we, we had a listener in, uh, it, and it's a consistent listener. And I think it was Poland in Warsaw. So we, I like to bring you our, our city of the day. So shout out to Warsaw, Poland, and you, you've been consistently listening. So whoever you are, we appreciate you listening each and every week via the, uh, I'm not sure if you listen on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple Apple Podcasts, iHeart, however it is, give you a shout out. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but as we get on to the show today, one of the other things we wanted to talk about is we like to uh, start the show with some of our news topics. And one of the biggest news pieces isn't necessarily Bengals news, but it is something that affects the Bengals. And that is Deshaun Watson. Today it was announced that he's out for the season. Uh, as the uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback, you know, they're ahead of the Bengals in the standings. They've beaten the Bengals. The Bengals will play them again this year. Make that's big news. Yeah. And all I can say uh, in regards to that news is that, you know, Baker didn't let a shoulder injury keep him from playing the rest of the season. I'm glad you went that route. I thought you were going to make a massage joke. No, and... we'll we'll keep it clean for the families. Okay, you know, for the family, you know, friendly crowd Let's... that listens here. But low hanging uh, fruit, I guess. You know, Baker played through a shoulder injury, and the Browns, uh, you know, moved on from him the next season. Really good just... organization. Yeah, and it's it's hard for, like, I always hate, like, I'm never the guy that wants to make fun of guys when they get injured. You know, like it, that, that's just not who I am. I don't care who it is. You want the players to succeed, but it's Deshaun Watson. It's almost like, cause it seems like he's yeah. had a couple of those injuries and hasn't wanted to push it at all. It, it just, it's that trade for the Browns continues to be look worse and worse as the days goes along. And even more so that they have all of that money guaranteed to Deshaun yeah. Watson. They sold their souls and, it, and, uh, you know, it's not working out for him so far. You know, I know they're six and three and whatever, but you know, he hasn't played a lot of the season. He's uh I think created a decent amount of drama in the locker room. And uh, you know, now he's out for the rest of the year. And you know, I know we, we shouldn't, you know, root on players to get injured. And I, I guess I'm I don't know if I'm rooting on that with with Deshaun. I'm saying that very reluctantly. Exceptions apply, I guess. <laughs> they apply. Uh, you know, best of luck to DTR. <laughs> That's... Yeah, and I mean, who knows? It's not like Deshaun Watson has been playing at an MVP level or anything like that where this is a massive loss. 
And the now, best he has part is really good the past couple, you know, his past couple of starts. He has looked really good throwing the ball. Yeah, but it's not like and then the the pro is if you're a guy like DTR who's coming in and starting is what do you want as a young quarterback making some of your real first career starts? You want a really, really good defense. Yeah, Browns have that. You, got Check. that. you <laughs> Check. want a good run game. Uh yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Check. Yeah. Uh and so it's you're seeing that some some decent wide receivers and pass catchers. Check. Uh, good offensive, pretty good offensive line. Yep, Check. Exactly. So th- they got the pieces still, even if they don't necessarily have the quarterback uh, to to lead the way. Yeah, I kind of feel for DTR a little bit too, and not to stay on this topic much too longer. But uh, his first start was against a really good Ravens defense, and they just you know, you know, they just annihilated him, and now he's got to go up against Pittsburgh this week. So, uh, uh, welcome to the NFL, DTR. <laughs> Welcome to the NFL is right. Uh, let's, uh, I guess we have to, don't we? Sunday, one o'clock. We got to talk about it. Bengals lose to the Houston Texans 30 to 27. Mick and I were both, uh, and, and as the game got closer and closer, I don't know if I said it out loud to you, Mick, or not. But I, I think I told somebody that I said, I'm, I don't like how confident I am. <laughs> like, yeah. I felt like my confidence was making me feel worse about the game as it got closer. And it's still weirdly enough. And, and I might be the only one in saying this. Is it, it never felt like the Bengals were going to still lose the game. No. But yet they were down by 10. With three minutes left. And yet it still found like a way because I know that there were all of the people started to leave. And I think you kind of looked at me and said, are we going to? And I was like, no, I mean, listen, I'm, I, we paid the money. Good we're already we Yes, because it was a it was a exciting ending. But I, I, it never felt like that they were going to lose the game until to me, the pass over the middle to Noah Brown with however much seconds left in the game. And that's when I knew it was over. Yeah. Kudos to the Texans, by the way. Texans yeah. played a great game. They uh, they have a very young team that showed a lot of poise. Their offensive line held up very well against our pass rush. The you know C.J. Stroud, um, I I was definitely a doubter going into the season, going into the draft. Um, you know, the Ohio State quarterbacks usually have this stigma that that they're in such a uh, such an advantage advantageous system offense with Ryan Day uh running running things over in Columbus that they don't necessarily translate well to the NFL um but CJ Stroud has proven I think all of his doubters including me wrong he's so accurate with the football shows a lot of poise in the pocket and uh you know made a lot of clutch throws with that being said, the defense did look like trash. They looked really bad on Sunday. It, it did. So let's let's go into the specifics of like we like to always uh, you know separate it into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I'll start and go with the good. Uh, and for me, the the first one with that is you know what back injury. <laughs> Jamar Chase five catches, hundred twenty four yards. Uh, it didn't look like he was. I mean, you could tell he wasn't quite one hundred percent. But for me, he goes into the good because. He gave it a go. He, yeah. he he might he probably maybe shouldn't have played, but he knew that the team needed him, and he comes away with five catches for 124 yards, including a catch that at one moment thought would have been the 
you know, the, the catch that finally brought them in the end of the game. And then the defense decided that they don't know how to play football. But again, well, I think we're going to get to that in a later category here in a few minutes. But I think Jamar definitely goes into the good category. Yeah, Jamar was great in the game. You know, the back injury definitely kind of showed a little bit, but uh, made a couple of really crucial catches. Obviously, the, you know, the 50-yard bomb uh, to end the third quarter. And then he had one other catch that, uh, well, that drive ended up being the uh, the the goal line interception by Burrow, but he had one really good catch on that drive as well that I think probably ripped off 30-something yards on that play. So, I mean, he had a really good game. Another name I want to bring up, and I know the, the drops were bad, but Tyler Boyd did have a pretty good game on Sunday, uh, was great in the underneath game, and obviously had that 60-yard uh, catch and run to set up the field goal. Um, you know, it sucked that he couldn't come down with that ball in the end zone. And he also had a, a very crucial drop on third down on one of the three and out drives. Um, but, you know, other than those two drops, I think he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I, I was going back and forth between putting him in the good and the bad. I personally put him in the bad, but it was like bad plus. Like it, it, we almost needed a category in, in. We almost needed a category in between good and the bad because I felt bad putting him in there because it's hard to be bad and have eight catches for 117 yards. But then, then again, as I was thinking back, is the the Tyler Boyd drop in a way was similar to the Irv Smith fumble in the red zone against the Niners. Yeah, you know, is it? It was a back breaking moment for the game. There was no yeah. question about that. It's probably a catch that Tyler Boyd will. If if that same play happened a hundred more times, I bet Tyler Boyd makes that catch ninety seven times. You know, yeah, he, he's a sure handed wide receiver. That's kind of what he's always been in his career. It just didn't happen, and, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. Like there, there's there's no reason for it. But uh, eight catches, one hundred seventeen yards. It's hard to it's hard to criticize him much more than that. Yeah. Tanner Hudson, another good game uh, from him. He's kind of proven to be that security blanket for Joe Burrow in the in the short passing game. He, it looks like he's definitely the tight end that Burrow has the most trust in when throwing the ball to. He has the most length out of everybody. Uh, seems to, uh, you know, seems to be able to just you know high point the ball really well. Now he's not very good after the after the catch. His RAC is not that great. He's not really breaking tackles, but um, you know he was very crucial to uh, to the success of that first drive, catching you know five balls for you know thirty something yards. So uh, he had a pretty decent game, I think. Uh, to me, another one of the good is Brad Robbins. Uh, yes, averaged fifty one point eight yards a punt. Uh, maybe his best overall game. Uh, he was letting them fly in a day that was not necessarily super windy, but it also wasn't not windy. Like there were some definite yeah. wind gusts in the in there, and also against in in Paycor Stadium on the river, the wind we've seen it where it just sometimes takes some weird gusts in that stadium. But mm -hmm. I mean, fifty one point eight yards a punt. I just say, hey, Brad, give me that every game the rest of your career. And I know that that's you know as you said and done, but. That that's that's why you drafted him in the sixth round. Yeah, is for no, yeah. for games like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as others in the good, I didn't really have anybody else. Yeah, um, you know, I thought Logan Wilson was okay. Uh, you know, 
was uh, pretty good, um, you know, in coverage as opposed to a lot of the other defensive backs and linebackers. Uh, obviously, his uh, his bull rush to the to CJ Stroud caused that fumble in the second quarter, uh, which was huge. Um, you know, and and with the coverage woes and everything, CDB did have the clutch pick and was the highest graded guy in coverage, uh, which wasn't saying too much, but it wasn't, you know, terrible. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know, so I can't put it in the bad category. It's probably an okay category, I guess, but um, not a lot of good other than those, uh, those select few players. And Joe Burrow. We got we to gotta talk about Joe Burrow, I guess. I'm guessing you're throwing him in the bad category. See, that's another one that I was kind of going back and forth on because Burrow yeah. had really good moments. And then he had, you know, and I know he had said that at least one of the picks I was listening to him talk yesterday was we're losing. I need to make a play. I think it was pretty much his second pick. Yes, was pretty yeah. much what he had said. Uh, but it was a backbreaking interception. There's no question about that. But it's also one of those things that we can always say. And I mean, you can say this about every, you know, play in sports is if it had worked, you'd have liked it. <laughs> you know, like there is no way that throw is going to work. Yes. That, and that's so, kind of why I shipped him into a I think he's in my like bad plus with, with Tyler Boyd. Like it, it wasn't quite bad. It wasn't good. But yeah. I, I don't know. I thought Joe Burrow was was pretty good for most of the game. Now, this might have been like his highest turnover-worthy play game, though, that I've seen from from Joe Burrow, because although he only had the two bicks, he had a uh he had a pretty bad down the field pass in the second quarter that, you know, easily could have been picked off. Uh and then had another one on the I want to say on the it was one of his first throws on the second pick drive that you know, when they were in their own side on their own side of the field where um you know, where he was just gambling and you know, threw it into triple coverage again. So yeah, uh I, that second interception though, that that was brutal. But it, it seems like Burrow is either, you know, making ill advised throws or he was dropping absolute dimes. You know, it was a little bit of an inconsistent game. The pass on the first touchdown to that Trenton was, Irwin was a dime. That was so. The only throw I think it, it reminded me a lot of Jamar's, I think, first touchdown against San Francisco in 2021. Uh, that okay. round concept where you go, you know, you're sending your slot guy on an out and you're sending the outside guy on a go. And, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, Threw the ball right on the money, right to the uh, right to the right pylon, pretty much. Trent Irwin, um, that was a but, great ball. And see, and see, the wildest part is, is that I don't think it was his best throw of the game. As I think um, his best throw of the game has to go in the Jamar Chase deep ball. Yeah, um, the fact that he was, you know, and I loved rewatching. That was the only one that I got to see the all twenty-two of, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not rich like you, Mick, and can afford to watch the all twenty-two. <laughs> um, because I'm just a lowly radio guy. Uh, if you want to donate, <laughs> we'll put out a, we'll put out a jar. Go fund me. <laughs> uh, but 
was the Jamar play. And, you know, Jamar was just almost, you know, just slowly working. And you could immediately tell that connection that they have because there was a moment when he realized, oh, and he looked up and saw it kind of the, the Red Sea part and just took off deep. And Burrow the, yeah, found he him. was running a he drag route out. on that play. Yes. He was running yes, a drag He was not playing. going deep at all. No, yeah, that, that really spe- speaks to the uh, to the connection that those guys have. Totally agree with you there. I don't know if that was Joe's. I, I still think the Irwin throw was better, but I think the play is I, I kind of separate the throw and the play a little bit. But the fact that you know Joe was able to get out of the rush and you know find some open space in the backfield and 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 chuck it deep and and obviously Jamar knew what you know knew what to do in that situation. I mean, that was, I, I don't think that, that had to have been like, I don't know, very similar to that Packers play in 2021, the end of the half. Very, uh, very similar plays, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, Joe, I think Joe, for the most part, was pretty good. Uh, that's. Do you have anybody that pops up for you in the bad? Or should we just shift right into the ugly? Um, and always, too, is if I can say, is if you, you know, watching alone, if, if you have anybody that, you know, we might have missed that you think deserves to be talked about in the good or yeah. the bad, feel free to free to drop the comment. And we'll tell you where, whether you're right or wrong or or what, because uh, we like doing that as yeah, you I'll, like to. Did, did you let Anthony know that we're on today, Mick? Uh, no, he's too busy looking at the uh, sleeper chat. I'm not talking about Anthony, the one that you know. I'm talking about our number one fan last week. Wasn't his name Anthony? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I, did, well, I did not let that guy know. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, did you have anybody else, though, in the bad, or should we shift to the ugly? Uh, I'll put the pass rush in the bad. They got him to, to CJ Stroud a few times, but it wasn't enough to really make a difference in the game. They obviously didn't really come up clutch on third down, but um you know dj readers pass rush game was pretty decent he actually graded in the uh in the elite category according to pff and you, you can see he definitely made a difference up the middle but uh the edge rushers weren't uh, all too great but i think dj and bj had a pretty solid game up the middle um so it but I did appreciate too i don't know if you saw i don't know if it was a post in the Hude nation facebook group or in another one that uh, somebody was giving their opinion on what the defense should look like the rest of the season. And their their reason, their way to fix this was to put DJ defense end. <laughs> I was just, that's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> yeah, I don't not, think that's the best of ideas yeah. there. Uh, it, it just made me laugh. I was like, I just want to see Trey Hendrick or, uh, you know, DJ Reader go up against, you know, Ronnie Stanley or, you know, or something or, or whatever. <laughs> not that you're going to ding him, but still. You're uh, not going to see that sure. anyways. Yes, exactly. Patrick uh, McCarry. <laughs> uh, foreshadowing. That's what we call that. Yeah. Anyways. Um, uh, but yeah, the pass rush or the, the front four, I'll probably put in the bad category and then everything else is in the ugly category. Ooh. Yeah. Let's go defense specifically. See, pass rush one sack against a rookie quarterback. Like a lot of that goes to props to the offensive line of the Texans yeah. and also to CJ Stroud, but that's tough. But I mean, you look at these and here are the two numbers. Texans average 5.5 yards a rush, 15.5 yards per carry. 
that the run that defense is, was very disappointing. That's being nice. It was it was it was bad. Atrocious. I I on a second rewatch that I that I watched a little bit before the show, um Devin Singletary looked like he was getting into the second level on almost every play. And I know I was given a little bit of props to to the pass rush and to the front four, but and the DJ reader because his pass rush was really good. His tackling up the middle, he could not he couldn't tackle Devin Singletary for for minimal gains. And it's not um, like Devin Singletary is a great running back. No. I mean he's you know, he's he's a thumper, he's you know, he's a little bit of a shifty guy too. Um you know, he's probably the best running back in that backfield this year, which isn't saying much, but yeah, but uh, he's not uh he, he's he's nowhere near some of the running backs he's they not faced CMC. This year. They handled CMC just fine. Yeah, you know, I, or you know, Derek, they, they, you know, he's not Derrick Henry. Now I know Derrick yeah. Henry had a big game, but um but still. Um, let's see here. Dennis writes in and says, I think there's two things that have to happen for the Bengals to win. I guess he's talking about on Thursday. Joe Burrow has to play out of his head like an MVP and Zach Taylor had a better ball, ball play calling. If none of those things happen, uh, nothing is impossible. The Bengals could win. Appreciate the comment, Dennis. I, I want to come back to the Zach Taylor thing in, in just a moment. Um, for me, I, I think us ripping on the defense is almost obvious, Mick. Like, if, if you know, you at home, you watched the game, you saw it, you were thinking the same thing as us, it was bad. But here's the wild thing, Mick, is it was bad, and they forced, what, three turnovers? So, they really forced two. The the one of the fumbles was a bad snap. You can't. I mean, Correct. yeah, they, but, but they you got fell three. On the, they fell. And they they got but good luck on that. One. That's what makes me go. So what on two of those three they were? I mean, one was in the red zone, you know, on yep. the fumbled snap. The other, I think it was fourth down though, was it not? If my memory's right on that, uh, yeah, it, it was fourth down, and then the other one was driving. You know, and then the and obviously the CTB one was late in the game and probably shouldn't have thrown the ball to begin with. But I, it's one of those things that makes you go, though, this game could have been a whole lot worse because they easily could have put more points up on the board. and We never would have been talking about them having a chance to come back late in the game. Yeah, there there are a couple drives where they got absolutely lucky on. I mean, that failed snap. The the Texans were in the red zone marching down about to get at least some type of points on the board. Um, that was one driver they were lucky on. You know, the other the other fumble they forced. It was a good call by Lou, sending Logan Wilson as the blitzer there. Um, he bull rushed CJ Stroud, and uh, you know, and they forced the fumble on it. I'm actually kind of looking at the stats right now uh, in terms of the grading, but uh, you know, CJ Stroud had a really good game. You know, 23 of 39, 356 pick and an interception. Um. But when he was blitzed, his grade and his passing was a lot worse. You know, 8 of 14, 122, a touchdown on the pick. I'm just surprised that, you know, Lou didn't really see, you know, you know, that, you know, that Stroud wasn't doing as good when they were sending blitzers. Probably the worst part about that was is that the coverage was so bad that you, you can't keep blitzing because your your coverage is struggling so much. Yeah, so that's where, you know, the pass rush is kind of in that's the bad the, category because, you know, they did make some plays where, you know, they, you know, where, where they effectively ended drives. But, you know, 
at some points in the game, the, the sheer lack of pass rush really exposed the woes in the secondary. And I honestly put that more on Lou than I put it on the players. I know the players have to go out and play. But the fact that Lou didn't make any adjustments really, and we, and we praise Lou all the time for making adjustments, but he didn't make any adjustments on what the Texans were trying to do, which is, you know, deep in the pocket, play action, sending all of their speedy receivers on crossing routes. And, you know, that just left the coverage exposed. The pass rush wasn't getting home. CJ Stroud was able to find an open guy, you know, because he had so much time in the pocket uh, at times. So I don't know, you know, but when you were sending blitzers, then, you know, he didn't have that time to throw and, you know, he forced mistakes out of him. So, I don't know. I was re- I was kind of disappointed in Lou's game plan and in in his adjustments for sure in the game. Another one of the ba- the ugly for me is and it's now been back to back not great performances for Alex Kappa. Yeah, he was the lowest graded uh, offensive lineman, forty eight four by PFF, and yep. I think he gave up three sacks. Yeah. So to be fair, and you know, we do expect a lot more out of Alex Kappa, but he has gone up against two pretty tough matchups past couple weeks at all Sheldon Rankins we talked about it last week is is an elite defensive lineman yeah that's crazy he's still this good he's been around the league for a while um so yeah he had two uh pretty tough matchups and back-to-back weeks but this is not the Alex Kappa that we're used to seeing usually he's I would say he's usually the most sure-handed guy in the offensive line um yes and you know, he's had a bad stretch the past two weeks. This was probably his worst game, excuse me, as a Bengal. So, you know, that was rough. Orlando Brown Jr., you know, I kind of touched on this in the Houday Nation chat on Monday, but uh, he had a really bad game. He gave up eight pressures. Cordell gave up, I think, five pressures. Um, I, I did find line it in general was bad. I did find it very interesting, and I agree with that, with what our good friend Tommy Lipscomb had put out, is pretty much saying that Orlando Brown is a is a probably average to below average left tackle when he has a crappy guard by him. But if he has a good guard by him, he is very, very good. Now, you could probably say that about a lot of tackles in this league if you put somebody who's really good next to them. But I think a lot of that goes into the question of is how much is Orlando covering for Cordell it, or even if it's in the back of his his mind that is allowing some of these pressures to come because he knows that he's having to worry about pressures from each side instead of yeah. just around the edge. Yeah, uh, it's very well a good talking point there with that. I, I swear we had this discussion last year with Jonah, and we wonder if that's what brought Jonah's grade down uh, significantly other than the, the, uh, the dislocated kneecap he had to deal I, with for a lot of the year last year. But yeah, we were wondering how much of that it has to deal with him Dealing with uh, dealing. If it with says that. one thing, left guard is at the top of my list of needs next year. Yeah, and that's, when, a, that's a position you can easily feel and fill in free agency. I think with somebody that's solid, it's for, not like left guard rel- demanding a lot of money. Yeah, for relatively inexpensive, you know, and everything goes for that. Do you have another ugly, or I have one more that I want to do before we start talking about the Ravens game tomorrow evening. Uh, because mm-hmm. my ugly is kind of going to be a little bit of a rant of sorts. I'm going to go with uh, second quarter off. Well, really, uh, first half offense that wasn't the first drive. Mm-hmm. Um, four three and outs in a row is inexcusable. 
And, you know, I, I, I know I said after the game, I didn't really put this loss on Zach because the offense <laughs> was, you know, kind of putting the, you know, they were, they were bringing the ball down the field. They were putting up points. But you can't have these long lulls on offense where you're getting four three and outs in a row. Now, one of those drives you can kind of attribute to the Tyler Boyd drop. Uh, I want to say that was the third three and out in a row where Burrow had Boyd for probably a solid 15, 20-yard game down the field, and Boyd dropped it. Uh, but other than that, you were just seeing, I don't know, you are just seeing absolute ineptitude on offense where they just couldn't get anything going. It reminded me a lot of you know of how they were operating in the uh, at the end of the Seahawks game and then throughout the whole Titans game and you just can't be having that you know those types of drives uh, consecutively that's just poor so so what are you it's going on fun- a rant about uh, that's kind of funny because what you're saying is almost not necessarily part of it but it is kind of part of what I'm saying is I'm just the the ugly goes to just the the fans that whenever it. it it's my least favorite kind of fan is we lost. It's the it's the head coach's fault. And and every team has it. And, and look, I get it that you, you're looking for somebody to blame. But the play that I saw keep coming up was the the second down and goal. Where oh, oh, yeah. The oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and I think that's even Taylor fun- did not call that play. Everybody. Let's, Correct. Let's get that straight. Correct. Let's and I think if, if, if my memory is right, did you not say draw? Like didn't did so, you did you, yeah, you you can kind of see how spaced out the front four of the Texans are? It was a check for Joe Burrow. Yeah, you, and, you can and see it just was a bad decision. That. Yeah, and but I don't also, even know if it was a bad decision either. I think I think the Texans just had it snuffed out. I think I think they were, I think they had it in the back of their minds. They were like, okay, we're spaced out a little more on the front four. We know Joe's probably going to check to a draw, or uh, there's a good chance Joe's going to going to check to the draw and then Sheldon I think Sheldon Rakins or Malik Collins just made a really good play on it and and and, and kudos to the Texans they handled Joe's Joe's uh, scrambling ability really well usually he breaks usually he breaks a few draw plays and he broke one I think in the third quarter I think it was the first drive of the third quarter or the second drive of the third quarter um you know that got him out of that three and out stretch but yeah Zach did not throw up he did not he did not Called the draw play. That is always a check and, by and, Joe. And even there were some complaints about how he handled that drive. And I think he handled it the right way. Is you want to put the ball on the ground somewhat because you're trying to force the Texans to call those timeouts mm-hmm. because you are in field goal range. And that's why I just always hate that it is to me, blaming the head coach every single time is a lazy excuse. Now, in, I do in think my realm. maybe they should have ran the ball on that first down and on that first down. I, in a I way, they did. Probably, what was the play again? No, well, they got sacked. So in oh. a way, they did. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, that's why he took the sack is they wanted to run play. They were trying yeah. to run the clock, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I just and that's that's why I really like our exercise here of the good, the bad, and the ugly because we're going through multiple reasons as to why the defense stunk or why why they why they lost the game. And for us, is I I just always hate the. It's Zach Taylor's fault. He's the worst. We should fire him. And 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 then my also my favorite comment that I always see, and then I'm going to get off my soapbox because we have to talk about a big game tomorrow night, is Zach, the Bengals will never win a Super Bowl with Zach Taylor as a head coach. Mick, they were one play away from winning the yeah. Super Bowl with Zach Taylor as a head coach with Isaiah Prince as his right tackle. 
Yeah. Isaiah and Prince Hakeem, and Hakeem Adeniji is your right guard, by the yes, way. Yes, I'm it's, pretty sure I saw Isaiah Prince working in the gas station here locally. Like I, I, I don't think he's in the league, and if he is, he's sure as heck not a starting right tackle. And the man was one play. So I just like I, it just drives me crazy. Is Zach Taylor a perfect head coach? Of course no. not. Uh, is he as bad as a lot of people say he is? Heck no. And the man should deserve a lot of credit because he's one play away. You know, if, if, if Aaron Donald was not Aaron Donald, maybe we could say if it was literally any other defensive lineman in football, the Bengals might've won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Okay, I'm done with my rant. I'm sorry about that. I need to get uh, that off my chest. One, one more poor, uh, and I might have touched on this a little bit earlier, but tackling uh, was pretty bad, especially especially late when you needed to contain the yardage of the Texans as much as you could uh, to avoid them kicking a field goal or for have to have them kick a very long field goal. I just that play by Noah Brown where Nick Scott and Jermaine Pratt had him dead to rights, and it would have been a 50 plus yard field goal for a guy that the Texans just signed right off the streets and Matt Amendola. Um, that's inexcusable. That was like lose lose defenses don't usually do that, and I think they and I I know I, I'm going to get on my soapbox on Nick Scott, but they have to. They please. Please bench the man. Please. There you go. Please there's your uh, there's your Nick Sl- Scott slander. Every episode has it. We just need to. I, uh, I am pleading to need... Lou. Please bench Nick Scott. We just need Please to start go. a segment. Nick Scott slander. Yeah. Every week, we'll 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 just give you thirty seconds just to just to say whatever you want about Nick Scott. And I'm sure Nick Scott's a nice guy. Pride of Penn State. Is that where he went? Yes. Well, I don't know. That's uh... <laughs> How about we talk about the Ravens coming up here tomorrow night? It's weird that we're having this podcast the day before a game as the it'll be a 8:15, so literally make in 24 hours from when we are recording this, the Bengals will be it'll be underway. You know, we'll be a couple of minutes into the game and so on from M&T Bank Stadium there in Baltimore, Maryland. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit will be on the call. It'll be on Prime Video. And if you live in either the Baltimore or Cincinnati market, I believe it'll be, I know in Cincinnati, I believe it's going to be on ABC tomorrow. Okay. So that'll be on, on you know, Channel 9, WCPO there in Cincinnati. So if you live locally and don't subscribe to Prime, you can watch it that way. Can you Another still watch th- it if you subscribe to Prime yes. and live in the yes. area? Okay. Yes. I know there's been uh, issues before with stuff. Yes, like I, I don't think that that'll be an issue. Now, I don't live in the area, so it doesn't particularly affect me, but I, I can't imagine that it would be that. And I do know that Prime, if you go searching and you're not, if you don't subscribe to Amazon Prime, you can get a 30 day free subscription and, you know, and just cancel it right after the game if you want to watch it that way and then you get the game. So if you're, if you're or, looking for a way to watch, or you keep it for 30 days and you uh, watch the whole, the, the boys. Real quick. I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it either. I heard it's really good. I'm just gonna I'm gonna prop it up because I heard really good things about it. Not to get off talk, but it's up. Are you signing sponsorship there. deals? No. Oh, also <laughs> a really good show that me and Sam started this weekend. The Bear. You watched the Bear yet? 
No. This time of year, Hulu. I have no time to watch any TV. Well, whenever March and April happen, get on it. It's on Hulu, by the way. Okay, I'll back do to that. football. Okay. Uh, your official for Thursday night football is? Ooh, let me guess. Okay, you don't know. Hockey League. They have had him this year. Oh, they've already right. had this guy this year? Yes. Uh, Cap. They're, Alex Cap. They're 5-2-1 and one in games that he has refed. He did the Seahawks game this year, the Buccaneers game last year, and was also involved in the tie against the Eagles. Shoot, I can't even remember. Adrian Hill oh, I would will be the official for the Bengals against the Ravens tomorrow night. Uh, the injury report. Luckily, we can bring you an official injury report because it's come out because we're, you know, we're 24 hours until kickoff. For the Bengals, T. Higgins, Andre Yoshibash, and Sam Hubbard all out. Charlie Jones is questionable. At least he was listed. Now, I think, and, and I, I, the, the prime time aspect to when they have to, you know, designate him to return as far as actually promoting him to the active roster. I don't really know when that happens because on a typical Sunday, they have to do it by four o'clock on Saturday. If that's the same thing and it had to be four o'clock today, they did not add Charlie Jones to the active roster, which means that he theoretically would not be able to play. Now that very well, I don't really know the rule with prime time tomorrow, but Charlie Jones, they have him listed as questionable and then full practice participants, Trey Hendrickson and Josh Tupo are back. So Charlie Jones is kind of the wild card with this, and I don't particularly know as to what he will be doing. I would assume that he's probably going to play um, just because Yoshivash uh, did not practice today. And I don't know if they haven't added him to the active roster already that he'll be eligible to play. So there's got to be a different rule for Thursday because if he was a full participant in practice and they're down two wide receivers, I just don't see why they wouldn't have activated him. I I'm not disagreeing at all, but it'll be something interesting to know that you'll have to find out early tomorrow. For the Ravens, Ronnie Stanley and Trenton Simpson are out. Marlon Humphrey is doubtful, which means he's out. Uh, I mean, it is it is so rare that a player who's doubtful, he didn't practice all week. He will not play. Questionable for the Ravens, Devin DuVernay. He's not practiced this week. It is listed as questionable. To me, that probably says that Devin DuVernay is not going to play tomorrow night for the Ravens. Now, the rest of these questionables were all full practice today, which to me on the other side says they will play. That's John Simpson, Kyle Van Noy, and Daryl Worley. So that's and Morgan Moses, for by this. the way. Um, I guess he's not on my list. Is he listed as questionable or is he good? He was on the injury report, but I guess he's been a full participant in practice. Uh but so he's All he's week. good as well. So, yeah. But yeah, still, so there good. you go. So for the Ravens, you're without, you know, your starting left tackle and your best corner. And the Bengals, you're without your number two receiver and your best run defender. So it's kind of I, I think in a way those kind of things balance out. They're not the same you positions, but they Duvernay almost balance the number out. Two wide receiver? The Bengals. I said the Bengals oh, are without okay. the number two wide receiver. And T. Higgins okay. and then Sam Hubbard is their best run defender. Okay. Okay. So let's Let's jump into the game specifically. Bengals offense against a Ravens defense that I have their rankings. Are you ready for this, Mick? Yeah. First in scoring, second in overall yards, fourth against the pass, 11th against the run. 
that's uh that's pretty good. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh now if you want a a, a positive, try to be the more optimistic guy. Hobble Joe Burrow, you know, when they played back in week two, was only sacked once. Yeah. And really, if you think back to that game, Mick, a really bad interception that he threw in the red zone was the difference in the game. Yeah. He doesn't throw that interception. The Bengals probably win with him on one leg. Yeah. Now, let's be fair. The Ravens had a lot of people on the secondary that game. They did. They did. No. So it balances out. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it, that might be me being more optimistic, but hey, I haven't still decided who I'm picking picking in this game. But for this offense against this defense, I mean, this is the best defense that they will face until week 18. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Ravens, you know, obviously have uh, given up the least amount of points per game in the league. Uh, they have completely dominated opposing NFL offenses. And I mean, some of these are offenses that are, that are pretty solid. Um, you know, they didn't really do that great against the Browns, gave up 33 points and, uh, you know, let a huge comeback happen from them. But the Lions have a good offense and they completely held them in check. The are you sure that beat. wasn't a local high school team that instead came in and played that day for the Lions? Um, you know, I put money on them, so it probably was. Um, <laughs> they probably yeah, that... snuck them in. They were like, oh, they uh, mixed betting on us. Yeah, well, uh, Detroit what High the, School. Uh, yeah, Detroit, Detroit Mercy Metro University. The, yeah, Detroit Mercy Detroit. University, yes. Um, see, they played the Seahawks, held them to 37 to 3. I mean, they've looked really good now. You know, their defense didn't look that great against the Browns. They gave up, uh, they were up two scores going into the second half, I believe. And, and the Browns led a pretty huge comeback against them. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a trend line that we're maybe seeing with this Ravens team because they did this an awful lot last year. And it, they did it an awful lot late into the season. Um, you know, there's always that meme that shows uh, the Ravens scores like, in the third quarter and they're always up by two scores and uh, they ended up losing every one of those games. You know, I kind of wonder if, if we're going to potentially see that it's not like we've seen Lamar, you know, light the world on fire the last few weeks. He's, he's proven to be, you know, I know you're not a big Lamar guy, but he he's kind of in that Lamar slump, you know, that mid season slump that, you know, typically ends with him getting injured and then Tyler Huntley ends, you know, <laughs> plays the rest of the season. Now I'm not forecasting a, a Lamar. Injury, where's Josh Johnson? Where's Josh Johnson? Where's Anthony Brown? <laughs> I'm sure Anthony, Anthony Brown's Brown. still there. He's probably still in their practice squad. He's gotta be. Josh Johnson's on some NFL oh. team somewhere. <laughs> the man know. will never retire. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just weird. The history might, you know, you know, I'm not, too early to tell yet, but history could be repeating itself a little bit. You know, I'm hoping. Yeah, so. I mean, the the defense is really good, but it's one of those things that I think it's not like this defense is to the point where this Bengals offense shouldn't be able to do something with it. Now, to me, the biggest wild card of that game that they played back in week two was who had the best game on the offense? T. T. Higgins. Who will yep. not be playing tomorrow? T. T. Higgins. Higgins. Now, 
does that worry you more than it maybe should? I mean, it depends on what the game plan is for Jamar, right? Because I feel like, you know, you know, with the way they defended Jamar in that in that week two game, they, you know, they doubled and tripled him, you know, so much that I mean T was left open, you know, fairly often in the game. So, you know, T being out is you know, you definitely would want that. But, you know, Marlon Humphrey's out, so you know, it's not like the Ravens have their number one corner at their disposal. And and we've kind of said this before is if if they if they lack depth in anywhere in uh on in the in their roster, it's at cornerback. So I'm I'm assuming Rocky Sin's probably gonna play. And then you've got Brandon Stevens, who the Bengals have, you know, take advantage of that mat- matchup before. Um you know, they're pretty good on the back end, though, with Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone, and Marcus Williams, you know, at the safety positions. So I'm not too worried about it. If Marlon Humphrey was playing, I would be a little concerned. So. Let's shift gears here and let's talk about the Bengals' defense against this Ravens' offense. Uh, let's take you back to week two. Uh, to me, here are the couple of the biggest stats from that game. Uh, a positive-ish, held Mark Andrews to five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. I, I mean, that that considering what Mark Andrews has done to the Bengals and what tight ends had done, done if you tell me that's his line tomorrow, I'd probably almost say, okay, okay. I, I'd almost take that in a way. Now, I'd probably like to have, not have that touchdown, but still. Uh, Ravens, 4.8 yards a rush. Gus Edwards, 6.2 yards a carry. Lamar four and a half. That's probably another one of those stats that if I told you Lamar is going to rush for four and a half yards of carry tomorrow night, I'd probably say, okay, okay. Like I I'd want that number to be a little bit lower, but, but it could be a whole heck of a lot higher. And then the other stat that to me is the key tonight. And I know you'll get to your keys a little bit later on, but it's my big key. And I'm sure it's going to be on yours as well. The Bengals only registered one quarterback hit in that game week two. Do that yeah. again, and the Ravens are winning. And I think, if I remember correctly, Ronnie Stanley was also out that game he was. as well. Yeah, he was. They've got a he really was. good offensive line. Um, you know, that's a matchup I'm I'm kind of concerned about is is his pass rush against their offensive line. Not only because we we saw what it looked like in Week Two, which you know didn't really amount to much, but you know you are dealing with the hobbled, a potentially hobbled Trey Hendrickson with the Hyperextended knee. Sam Hubbard's obviously not going to play. Um, so you're kind of running out of depth on, on the edges there. And then I think the Ravens might be strongest up the middle. You know, so Linderbaum. The, the one that got away, Kevin Zeitler. Um, <laughs> Linderbaum. And then uh, I think John Simpson, if I remember correctly, if he, um, we said he was playing, right? He is. Yes. Well, he's he was he's questionable, but he was a full participant in practice today. Okay. Illness. Yeah, yeah. He's good, I would say. So yeah. Um, you know, they're really they're they're a really good offensive line. I, I don't know if the Bengals have really taken advantage of good offensive lines or if they really won against good offensive lines in terms of their pass rush. It seemed like they've been going up pretty inept on offensive lines the entire the entirety of the season other than the first Ravens matchup and the Texans Browns. matchup. 
the Browns matchup, but you know, they, they also, you know, it looked okay in that game, but it's not like they made did enough to make a difference, right? So that does kind of worry me a little bit. To me, here's the biggest X factor too, as well as that game. Is it somebody that we've we you've mentioned a couple of times? No Sam Hubbard. Uh, yeah. that's your best run defender. It what is. do the Ravens do extremely well? Run the ball. Run the ball. That's what worries me the most going into this game. Is if Sam Hubbard was playing, my confidence level would go from like here to like here. Now I, I'm not using any like as far as, but that would bring my confidence level up. Honestly, in a way, other than Burrow, I don't know that there's anybody that I'd want more on the field for tomorrow night's game than Sam Hubbard. Yeah, no, he's huge against the run, and you know that's that's something the. Uh... The Ravens offense does really well. Uh, they definitely, you know, I know we talked about containing Lamar to four and a half yards of carry, but they still gave up 4.8 in total against the Ravens. And, you know, Gus Edwards had a pretty good game running the ball. Yeah, 6.2 yards Justin of carry Hill. for Gus. And, and now they have their secret weapon that I've never even heard of until a couple weeks ago, that Keaton Mitchell guy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think they're going to have their hands full. And, and I think... You know, it's funny. We talked about the Texans game. I think the Texans ran a very similar game plan to what the Ravens ran in week two. And the Ravens have already done it before. And that's, yeah, it's also very worrisome for me is that, you know, obviously the Bengals haven't been able to stop on defense a certain type of game plan, which is, you know, you know, which is, you know, keep your quarterback in the pocket you know, roll them out, run a lot of play action and just send everybody on crossing routes. And, you know, that those are two, those are probably two of their worst games that they've played this year. So I don't know One the, the good thing about this matchup though, in terms of, you know, running the, the wide receivers on a bunch of cross routes is that I'm not nearly as scared as of this group of playmakers that I, than I was against Houston last week. You know, and I think you, honestly, du, Duvernay not being there for being a guy that's not a like it's not like Devin Duvernay scares you, no. but at the same time, I feel like he's always good in Bengals games for one big play when he plays he the is. Bengals. Yeah, one big play, and, and so you're telling me that I get one less big play. That could be the difference in the game. Is not it's having a, a guy like Devin Duvernay tomorrow night. Yeah, and then I mean. Really, I mean, you've got two decent wide receivers, or you know, t- two decent receivers. You you have to take account for the Texans. I feel like you had three or four. Um, you know, you've got Zay Flowers, who is pretty much like Tank Dell, except he's got a little more bulk to him. And then you got then you got Mark Andrews, who you know the Bengals were you know they proved to be able to contain in Week Two. Now, I mean, he's still an elite tight end, and he could go off at any moment. And the Bengals have. Typically not been that great against tight ends this year um, across the board. But, uh, yeah, the the the, the receivers um, for the Ravens don't necessarily scare me, so I don't know if we'll see the same coverage woes, but it, it all kind of depends on the pass rush that they're able to give. Should we have my stats about this game now, or do you want to give your keys? Should I do my stats before the pick? Um. 
go ahead and do the stats. Okay. Do you want happy these. stat or sad stat first? I've got one of each. Let's go sad first. I'm sad. In a sad mood. And I think that uh, you probably know the way that I'm going. We're talking about the Bengals at the Ravens on Thursday night football. The Cincinnati Bengals are 0-12 in their last 12 games on the road in primetime. There you go. There's something that makes you feel real good. Joe Burrow is 0-4 in his road primetime games in his career. Really? Yes. Really? 0-4 in road primetime games in his career. Are you ready for the positive stats? Something that makes you feel good. Because that's what we're here on Jungle Juice is to try and make you feel a little bit optimistic. The Baltimore Ravens are three and a half point favorites tomorrow night at home. Joe Burrow as an underdog of three points or more since 2021. Are you ready for this, Mick? Against the spread, 12-0-1. Straight up 10-3. Again, Joe Burrow is an underdog of three or more since 2021, which tomorrow night is one of those 12-0-1 against the spread, 10-3 straight up. He really loves being the underdog. He does. He's a big big fan of it. And And I guess uh, Jared says that that doesn't count the playoffs then in that uh, road primetime. They haven't played any uh, road primetime games technically in the playoffs. Well, every playoff game is a primetime game, right? Yeah, I guess in its own realm, but I I kind of count the primetime as night games. But no, this does not count uh, those because I don't think any who, of those games were the, two night games. Four against on the on the road regular season primetime game. I'm trying to think of these because okay, so even... Browns in 2020. Okay, well, um, yeah, you had uh, okay. Now you're going to put me on the spot. Ravens last year, yes, on Sunday night football. Browns. Uh, Browns Halloween last year. Correct. And there's one more in there. Uh, Road versus Tennessee, if my memory's right, was like a four o'clock game, though, was it not, Mick? Well, not that time. it really matters in the playoffs. I think it was like a four o'clock game. And I so was he, the... I think he's talking about the playoff games here. Yes, he is. Um, fourth game. Do you know the fourth game? I can't even no, remember. It's uh, I'm old and I've slept since the last time that they had a primetime game on the road. Uh, it has to have, I guess, been 2021, maybe, or 2020. I don't know. And my stat could have been wrong, too. I, I was reading it from someone else and trusting it. But still, Chopper has not won a road primetime game. We can think about that um, later as, as we go along. Um, there might have been a Steelers. No? Because Steelers Monday night was no, 2020, and that no, was at home. 2020. I don't Man, know. Man, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I'm stumped on that. While we're, game, how about this? Yeah. I'll try to, to do some searching while you give us your keys to the game. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about offense here. Um, I think the biggest key to the game is just getting more consistent and and having more consistent drives on offense. You know, the, it kind of proved in the Houston game, the, those four straight three and out drives and six straight punts, um, you know, that really dug them into, you know, really kind of dug them into a hole where they were down by two scores um, in the third quarter. Now they did manage to come back because the offense was, you know, able to to pull some miracle plays, you know, later on in the game. But against a defense that's as good as Baltimore's, um, you have to see more consistency on on offense and you have to see them put together, uh, 
you know, scoring drives on a, on a fairly uh, constant basis. So, you know, and then the other, other key to the offense is, is just having a clean game. Um, you know, the Ravens defense, you know, it is really good, but I, I think it's a defense that the Bengals are, are able to manage. Now they do have a very good linebacking duo and Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Um, but, you know, their coverage unit doesn't necessarily scare me. I still think they're, you know, Marlon Humphrey being out is going to be huge. And then their pass rush hasn't been that great either. So, I mean, if you can find a way to game plan around Roquan Smith and what he does, um, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, My computer decided to update. Uh, well, I can still hear you. You can? I can. Um, well, this is weird. Well, just keep uh, talking and, and get in what you can before your computer yeah, might before completely shut off. Uh, defense. Um, you know, as I said before, the Ravens or the Texans ran a similar game plan to what the Ravens did in week two and the Bengals couldn't stop it again. Um, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to manage around that, that game plan. I wonder if Lou, Lou, Lou probably needs to run more press man on defense and, um, and trust his defensive backs a little bit more. And then they've, they've got to find a way to get some pressure pressure on Lamar and force him to make some mistakes. And it's not like Lamar is coming off, you know, a great three game stretch. He he's been he's been pretty pedestrian the past three weeks. So uh, those are the key to victories. And uh, before um, you know, I boot myself out of here to try to get my computer back running. Uh, I'm going to go Bengals twenty, Ravens seventeen. Mix going with the Bengals. Uh, as his pick I'll try to get game. back in in a second here, Sam. Okay, so you're going to leave me alone here while I give my pick for this game, and you're going to make me be the bad guy all yeah. by myself. I respect it because I am picking the, the Baltimore Ravens. I, I can't do it. I want to. I really do. Uh, I, I, those, the, 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 the pro stats want me to pick them, but I'm going to have to pick the Bengals to win the game. Uh, or the, sorry, the Ravens to win the game by a final score of, I'm going to go 23-17. Okay, similar scores. Uh, yes, it's just I think the Ravens will uh, will come away on top. I, I really want to. I, I, I want to pick them. Like, I want to pick the Bengals, but it's just, I, I it, the, to me, the reason why I'm picking the Ravens is Sam Hubbard is not having him. I feel like he is he could be such the difference maker that would make me change my mind and pick the Bengals in this game. But because of that, and plus I hope I'm wrong next week and I can put my foot in my mouth next Wednesday when we're back together again and we've had almost a week <laughs> to to let this game go by. Uh I still think that it, you're going to see the uh the Ravens win the game. So and I um, hope I'm wrong. My computer didn't actually update, so we're back in here. I want to bring up oh. another reason why I think the Bengals will win. And that, and I've said this to you before, it seems like any time they find themselves in a must-win, their backs against the wall scenario, they end up doing what they need to do to win the game. They did it constantly last year after you know falling a few games out of first place in the division against the Ravens. You know, and they found themselves, you know, four and four, five and four last year. You know, they rattled off nine wins in a row. It, I get some very tough back end of the schedule and, and ended up winning the, winning the division. 
And, you know, and you saw them kind of do the same thing in 2021, but they were also five and four and then six and five. And, you know, they end up, you know, doing what they need to do to win the division that year. I'm not saying the Bengals are necessarily going to win the division this year just because of how tough the AFC North is. Even though you did just get a little bit of a break with the with the uh, Deshaun Watson injury, but you know they've proven to be able to to win these must win games: the Arizona game, the Sa- the Seattle game, the LA game. I mean, hell, the San Fran game might have been in the must win category too. I do agree with Jared here. I think turnover differential is going to be a stat at the end of the it day. Is. I'm going to look at it's going to and, be huge. and uh, which quarterback is going to make the mistake. Uh, I mean, you think Lamar threw a, I mean, both quarterbacks threw really bad interceptions in that primetime game that they played last year in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, Burrow just Patrick Queen came out and I mean, he threw it right to Patrick Queen. He just didn't see Patrick Queen on the play. Uh, I think it was after a turnover or, or or something. If my memory's right, it's been long since that game. But that was a huge turning point in the game where the Bengals had a sense of momentum and then Burrow immediately threw the pick to Patrick Queen on the next play. And then Lamar uh, completely over, or it might've been on fourth down, maybe the play that I'm thinking about that Lamar completely overthrew a receiver deep down the field that was wide open down the down the right sideline which in a way I guess is pretty much a turnover because he had, would have had a touchdown or a first down on the play. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm excited to watch this game. Uh, there was a chance a couple of weeks ago that I wasn't going to be able to watch this game live and was going to have to do my whole, like, keep my phone locked to do a safe and not look at it so I actually get to watch live, which I'm very excited Thursday about. night games always get you. They right, do. In, until it, now. It, until now. It is um, wild how it has almost always been these Thursday night games that they just come back to bite me in the butt. And Jared's right here. Lamar's fumbled 10 times and lost six. He fumbled once in week two, but they did recover it. And that is going to be huge is Lamar. If you, that's why that pass rush is so important to put pressure on him and make him fumble the football. Yeah. I want to see Lou dial up the blitz a little bit more. I hope so. I think make Lamar beat you with his arm. Make Lamar beat you with his arm in this game. Because if it's a passing game, then I feel pretty good about the Bengals' chances because uh, Joe Burrow is an infinitely times better passer than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I appreciate everyone for tuning in on tonight's episode of Jungle Juice. Remember, we're back here every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Make sure you like us on our Facebook page, the Jungle Juice Facebook. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Jungle Juice. And also, we want to follow, uh, tell you to follow our good buddy, Josh Isles, over at WDN Today on his Facebook page. Uh, we also are on all of your po- favorite podcast platforms, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of them. You can go, you can subscribe there, so they automatically get downloaded to your phone. And in case you miss anything, you can listen back there and hear all of our fantastic and original thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals because nobody has ever said things like the Bengals defense sucked against the Texans. That's what people come here for, Nick. I'm pretty sure everybody has said that. That's a part of the football media landscape or the Bengals media media we're, landscape. <laughs> we're, we're we're good at that though. We're, we we can we can bring it. We can bring you the the obvious and sometimes the unobvious that we might bring you. Uh, Mick, it's been fun as always, hopefully for a big win tomorrow, and hopefully you're right and I'm wrong. Yep, yep, uh, I always hope that. And unless if I choose Bengals to lose, then I don't hope that. But Which I, I hope, believe I hope, as 
we did that once, I think, this year where I picked a win and you picked a loss. It was the Cardinals. <laughs> it was the Cardinals. It game. was. And hey, it worked out that time. So maybe, you know what? If, if, if it works out again, then maybe we just need to plan out and one of us take one for the team every week. There we I'm go. okay with that. I'm okay with that if that's if that's what it takes. Uh, so we'll see everybody back here next Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoy the game on Prime tomorrow night. So until next time, uh, I'm Sam Gormley and he's Mick Nelson. Who day? Who day? Thanks for watching, guys.